hey, dorks. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey dorks. How are you? I don't think we should call our listeners dorks. The dorks, dork is an endearing term now. Nerd is. Dork isn't. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. Well, okay, so should we restart that then? All right, forget the last uh, 21 seconds. Yeah. Hey, nerds. There you go. That sounds better. Hey, nerds. I don't, I don't know what that is. Hey, nerd. I don't know what that is. It's weird. We had a, man, we had a really cool show tonight. Yeah, we did. This was really great. Um, Tim Woolworth was here, um, who happens to be a, another Michigan native, so he was able to we come got, to the studio. It's kind of amazing how many good people we have just within like a two-hour yeah. radius Steve of where we are. was here a couple weeks ago. He was awesome. Michigan didn't really used to have, at least when I got involved in a lot of this stuff, we didn't, I mean, there were interesting people maybe we we didn't obviously we just didn't know they existed yeah yeah but now we have the luxury of having these people actually come to the house instead of having to skype or call everybody michigan has officially rose again it has risen so yeah let's hear more about tim well okay his bio as one of the world's foremost ghost box users tim woolworth has been featured using his ghost boxes on nbc's first look NPR, the Detroit NPC News, dozens of radio broadcasts, and the television show CNY Spirits. In addition to media appearances, Tim regularly gives public ghost box talks and sessions at conferences, historical locations, and libraries. Tim has authored most of the accepted ghost box theory used today by active ghost box researchers via his site, itcvoices.org, which has been online since the spring of 2010. He also orchestrated the first worldwide ghost box experiment called the Ghost Box Collective that garnered astounding results. In 2018, Tim launched Paranormal Study, a site dedicated to teaching paranormal topics through lectures and articles. Please enjoy our discussion with the great Tim Woolworth. Ask you guys before we started here if we were going to talk about Stan Lee. I didn't know we were going to do it in our our post stuff. Well, but yeah, we did find out today. I was heading over as as you know, Tim, who's our illustrious guest tonight, Mr. Tim Woolworth here. Um, I was heading over to the condo to do work, the other house that I'm going to get rid of. Can't wait to get rid of. And um, I got the news. I heard it on the radio and stuff like that. Stan Lee. I'm not a big comic guy. I know you're more into comics than yeah. I am. I don't know. About, I don't know where you're at with this, Tim. I'm not a huge comic guy. I loved him yeah. as a kid, but yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Still growing up with Spider-Man and X-Men. You know, yeah. X-Men yeah. cartoon was just like my jam when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I know you. You were doing the comics when we were, you were younger. Oh right? yeah, I got two boxes of them right over there. Well, there you go. So I, I guess all I can say personally, and I don't know what you guys your thoughts are on this, given that fact, at least for me. Uh, I was not not really a big comic book person. I don't think you can really 
still, I can't really understate how much of an impact that guy did have, though, I think, on our society. <laughs> Let's just put it that, like, as a society, our society, I think. Well, the icon think, of the superhero. I think, I think he shaped a lot of things for not just entertainment, but the way people think. And I heard another guy um, talking about this, like a, a YouTuber that I like to watch. Um, and he, you know, I, I dare I quote from him a little bit, but he said, you know, I think Stan Lee... You know, through his art and through his entertainment, he pushed people to do amazing things too, because they had these role models they wanted to live up to. These these crazy role, you know, like Spider Man, and I think that's a stand. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man and the Incredible Hulk and all these incredible characters that you can't, even if you're not a fan, you can't um, not rub noses with that at one point in your life. It's just it's just that big. Those characters and and Stanley's work. So you know, that's just my thing. I think I, the stuff I've heard. That's the one thing that's really stuck out. Was I think you know he did probably in, inspire a lot of people to do some really cool stuff. So that's a real bummer, you know. But ninety five, yeah, that he, yeah. yeah, he he lived a long time. So it's not like it's tragic or anything. It's just yeah. it's a bummer. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna miss seeing him pop up in all the Marvel movies. Like I yeah. love when Stan Lee's cameo comes on. Like yeah. oh yeah. there he is, there he is. Yeah. So I mean that won't happen anymore, which is a bummer. But yeah. Maybe they'll figure out some way. Like you'll see a like a cardboard cutout of him somewhere. Maybe just do a hologram. Yeah, if you can put Tupac I, on stage, you can put right? Stanley in a movie. Yeah, put Stanley in a movie. Yeah, I mean they could still put him in there somehow. So maybe. I I'm sorry to start the show like that, Tim. And I kind of it kind of just popped in my brain. I apologize in advance. I, well, I apologize now, uh, but I did want to get that out. Yeah, you know, completely well, understandable. In, indirectly, it's still going to be a future conversation here about death anyway, because we're talking about EVP tonight. Yeah, um, to me. Voices of the Dead. Well, we've been saying this for years. I think Doug and I, back in the old days, um, this was the subject when we fell into this, when we, we discovered this idea of electronic voice phenomena. Uh, and then, you know, you know, ITC, which obviously has a very, you know, it's a, it's a they're, they're sisters, they're married, whatever you want to say. Um, I know Doug would agree with me on this, too, that this was the subject that has always probably kept, you know... Uh, Captivated. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, boy, Tim, you picked a great fucking night to be here. <laughs> we picked him to be so here. So eloquent. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm dying, dude. Shit. You're like a Mad Libs all night. I'll fill in the words. Done, dude. <laughs> Amber, Amber, I need an adjective. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think this subject captivated us the most, and it still does to this day for me at least, uh, the study of electronic voice phenomena. I think maybe for me at least it's because um, – you know, I, I study, I like, audio interests me more than pictures and videos. I Don't get me wrong, I think this stuff's fascinating, but audio has always been the thing that I've been the most fascinated with. So naturally, you'll gravitate to EVP study and ITC, which, Tim, this is your bread and butter. Well, it's not bread and butter. It just costs me a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> but uh, EVP is actually a subset of ITC. Yeah, yeah um, okay. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. Okay, well, ITC is basically the use of any... Third-party, independent, impartial instrument to record communication EVP. With, with a disincarnate consciousness. This is, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but this is EVP. No. no, this is ITC. ITC. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to uh, let you talk and <laughs> shut my mouth. Go. The most important part about whatever independent instrument you're using for ITC is that you're able to record the communication and play it back. And that's where EVP comes in. Because you have devices for that. Correct. Yeah. So EVP basically is a form of ITC, like 
many other different forms. But EVP is obviously the most recognizable. Uh, yeah, form. most popular. Yeah, too. I mean, it's you know, and I still think it's a cool. I mean, it's a it's a really amazing idea to me still. You know, at least going to the wonder of this idea of, of what this is to that anybody could take this. And this is what I thought was really cool. You know, you could take any recorder, like even back before digital recorders, and when we were using tape recorders, we would take any recorder we could find and just go out there and, and record. You know, and yeah, ninety nine percent of the time you would never really get anything on what we would call anomalous, but it was still interesting to go out there and see if you could capture something. Right? Of course. Um, and he could do that, and I think that's why I think we used to really promote that in the old days at Ghostly Talk. We were like, "Look, anybody can do this. If you want to study this thing, this is not a huge investment of time or money either. Just take a recorder from around the house and work your way up. I know you can get into way more expensive equipment and stuff like that, which people have. I know you do too. Uh, but I think that's what I thought was really cool about this when we were younger was this is something that anybody could do. And we all had cassette tapes, cassette recorders yeah. as a kid yeah and you know even when we gravitated a little bit older to you know little boom boxes you could still hit play record mm-hmm. and talk into a speaker and yeah. record it would record the room and would, today everybody's got a recorder in their pocket you have a voice dictation mode on your cell phone yeah but do you think you know everybody we've seen one app after another when it comes to studying the paranormal on phones now you're just talking about, i mean i have a native you know, record. It's just the voice recorder devo- the app on a, mm-hmm. my Android. Uh, I mean, coming from your viewpoint, do you think that's a very good thing to use as far as like a recording device on your phone? Would you think? I mean, I guess it's a, it's a ridiculous question to ask. Like, well, do is. you think you get better? You get better results. No, it with is this? A, it is kind of a ridiculous question to ask because mm-hmm. it allows you to record the environment. Yeah, I mean, you've got people still swearing by these shitty little Panasonic recorders from a two decades ago that yeah. were 4-bit and they're walking around claiming them to be the the biggest baddest EVP catchers of all time the Panasonic blah 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 60. Yeah, yeah. And those yeah. pieces of shit are out there selling for like $1,400 well, these days. No, for really? real. I've seen that Serious? on eBay. For real? It's, it's, yeah. It's the one, are you talking about the one that you record and it's kind of in real time and you play it back and it only plays what it picked up? No, no, we're talking about the 60. Um, so basically, it is nothing but bit noise, and it basically it's nothing but sound artifacts. It's absolute garbage, but people call it the EVP magnet because they misconstrue all of these sound artifacts into being valid communication. Well, they're, when it's ma- not. they're matrixing just noise. Oh hell yeah, they are. Yeah. That, okay. All right. <laughs> I want to. I want to stay off the rants tonight. <laughs> I don't have the energy for rants. Uh, okay. Fine. But I mean, but going back to the, I mean, just the, the Android app. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it is a clean, it's a cleaner recording. I use that that app, the, the voice recorder, and I use it to record us in our in our band room here. Yeah, obviously you're going to have some roll off with the microphone, so it's not perfect. Oh but, no, it's but it, it works. But it picks the room up, yeah. and it actually sounds like you can hear the instruments being exactly. Recorded. It's not it's not great by any means, but it's just it gets you by to hear something. And someone who's interested in talking to their mother, for instance, can just throw a phone down if they don't have a hundred bucks to go drop on a small range recorder. Yeah. Okay, so you think that you think that's a decent? I mean, that's a, I, I think I've heard some good rec- EVPs recorded on phones just from the voice dictation. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I just I really the the reason I said that though, going back to that was I just hear, you know, there's the ghost apps. We, well, we, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Tim, what do you think about the the EVP recording apps out there or the the app 
ghost boxes. Like I know uh, what's the one I downloaded. <laughs> well, there's all these apps. We're gonna see and I know, Tim turn into no, the Hulk. I know. Speaking of which, Tim Smash. <laughs> <laughs> I know that there's a lot of apps out there, and, and there's many of them that are just hoaxes and fun. But like, there's what's the one that oh, I'm why, forgetting why? the name. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry, Amber. Um, there's all these. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Do you suggest any good? Yes, apps? I do. Let's start um, with that. Well, let's just preface apps by saying that 99.5% of the apps out there are garbage. Most of them are mm-hmm. being put out, and they're nothing more than glorified MP3 players. They are playing full words and phrases and spitting them out, and most people are putting them through this little shit box called a portal, so it blends half of it out with reverb and noise reduction. So people are getting false positives left and right. And there's a handful of people who are just pumping out laps left and right, and only it's the same mechanism. The only thing they're doing is changing the sound banks and the skins on it. There okay. are there are some good apps out there. I would will always recommend any app that is made by Extreme Senses. Martin is the real deal when it comes to programming. I've beta tested stuff for Martin. And the app that I always use in the field is Echovox. Okay, that's what I just saw it finally on my phone. I cannot remember. That's what I have on my phone. Echovox is an anomaly. Um, It's kind of based on the technology of EVP Maker, which was Windows software you can still download. I Mm -hmm. I still have a link on ITC Voices for it. Uh, EVP Maker was designed by Stefan Bayan, who was a board member of the German VTF, which which is still the equivalent of the AAEVP here in America, now ATRANS-C. So he designed the software where you could input any audio file that you want. So real researchers, what we do is we put in a passage of audio from like Chinese or German or a language you don't speak. And what it would do is it would chop it up, randomize it, spit it back out. And you ask questions, you would get phrases in return. Um, and it allowed you to date each file, type in the question that you were putting in. Really solid for a 2000. So Echovox took it a step further. They added several different banks of onboard sound files. But there's tens of thousands of micro audio files. We're talking stuff that's thousands to hundredths of a second long. And what it does, depending on the version, grabs anywhere from four to eight of these files, spits them out in just one sound, and then... If you're using it properly, which very few people do, what you do is you run it to an external speaker. And when it goes out through the external speaker and comes back in through the microphone of your device, be it a tablet or a cell phone, it creates a loop. And on top of that, you add a delay. So any sound that it that records back through, it kicks out at one second, three second, five second, ten second, and you build this bed of noise. And inside of this bed of noise is how the magic of ITC happens. Um, we've known this since the days of EVP, where you have transformed noise in the background to create the sounds that we listen to. And uh, I, it's a different tangent entirely. But with EVP, going back to the days of Jurgensen, um, he, when he first recorded EVP back in 1959, he, the EVP that he was recording, he said he wasn't trying to record EVP. He was trying to record bird songs yeah, yeah. outside of his cabin mm-hmm. in Sweden. Um, and when, he, re, when he, he played it back, 
there's this male voice in Norwegian talking about the difference between nocturnal bird songs and day daytime bird songs. And he he was blown away. The guy wasn't there? No. Yeah. <laughs> the guy wasn't there. It was him and his dog. Yeah. And the dog actually went crazy and started barking uh-huh. around the same time before the EVP started. And that became one of his signals because it happened time and again. The yeah. dog would start barking at something in the room and an EVP would wind up. Oh. But anyway, um, that voice of the man, he said it sounded like it was carried by the wind on the leaves. There was this rustling in the background, this rustle, rustle, rustle. So he decided to check out all the radio stations, and none of the radio stations were playing a program on bird songs. So he decided to try it again. Slams down the mic, puts it outside the window to record bird songs again, and he records something, um, another male voice that says, Friedrich, you're being observed. At this point, he was kind of freaking out. Well, uh, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> He thought it was PK, actually. He thought he was somehow influencing the particles on the tape um, to create the voices. Mm-hmm. So he tried one more time, and he recorded something that just changed everything for him. Friedel, it's mummy. Mm-hmm. And Friedel was his... Uh, it's been so long since I've studied. I mean, yeah. I, these stories are... It's been a while since I... I mean, you're like active in this stuff where I've been kind of pulled back for a number of years. So hearing this stuff, it's like, wow, holy crap, it's all coming back to me, dude. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean No worries, man. Okay, Friedel obviously was his yeah. childhood nickname. It was yeah. his mother. Yeah. So to go back and try to recreate that sound like it was carried by the wind on the leaves, he had a radio static. Mm-hmm. Just that little interfrequency, a, a frequency between two frequencies that just... Mom, mm-hmm. oh, you yeah, did see, it. We told you, Tim. Oh, yep, yeah. you hear it. <laughs> <laughs> that was white nice, folks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he recorded... Uh, he found that adding a little interfrequency, he would be able to record more of what he called voices from space. Mm-hmm. And to this day in Europe, frequency 1485 is still known as the Jurgensen frequency. And because of his work that he had been doing prior to that, because he was a painter, he was an opera singer, um, he was a documentarian, he had painted the portraits of two popes. He got the, the Catholic Church's highest civilian honor. And as a result, I think it was Pius or John Paul, I can't remember which pope was the last one that he worked with, But there was a kind of a dispensation for EVP that was granted. Hmm. The Pope said basically God is in control of all of those who are dead. So if the dead can communicate, it's under the will of God. Hmm. So every time you hear a Catholic or a religious person say that, oh, you know, talking to the dead is forbidden. Right. Bam. Yeah, refer them back to that. (laughs) But that white noise, um, going back to Echo Vox, basically when you're building that echo sound, you're building white noise. And uh, years ago, I had this crazy vision in my head when I was just meditating on how ghost boxes work. And I had this this picture of like static and a voice pushing with the static and the static getting louder. And I looked it up and it's stochastic resonance. So when we're using white noise, especially with ghost boxes or radio um, in the background as a burble for EVP, White noise, for those who don't know, is basically that interfrequency between radio stations. It is a, mm-hmm. a group of frequencies between 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. That's just what we can hear. It can go lower. It can go higher, infrasound and ultrasound. But when you have this in the background, somehow the waves that they are producing on the other side 
work with the stochastic resonance. And when the two frequencies match up with a carrier wave, the frequency at the threshold becomes much louder. Mm-hmm. It's like a bumblebee that goes bzzz. Yeah. You can hear it, you know, a couple, feet, a couple feet in front of your face, no big deal. But damn, if you can't hear a hive from right. a few yards away... Why? Because you have all those wings creating a carrier wave, and it becomes mm-hmm. much louder. That's stochastic resonance. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced the communication from the other side is working with white noise to create communication. But um, speaking of EVP, we have these people today saying, oh, you know, I've got this, you know, $500 EVP recorder. It's absolutely dead to nuts quiet. There's no way any background noise is creating EVP. There's no static wrong just like a computer you have ic's integrated circuits Mm -hmm. integrated circuits are inherently noisy only filters have been built in so you don't hear those frequencies you can still hear we were talking about this the system we use here uh which is very old (laughs) (laughs) and you can actually hear i mean uh there there is buzzing and you hear popping and Mm -hmm. you hear noises you hear Buzz, long buzzes on the processor and stuff like that when it's doing work. Depending on the program, I, I know all the little sounds. I hear them when I'm doing the work down here. Don't thankfully it don't come through in the rec- you know any of the recordings. Um, Thank you, yeah, cardioid pattern. But, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Um, yeah, there have been filters, but that those noises are still there even in contemporary systems, even mm-hmm. highest tech to stuff. It's just there's been filters put in place now to kind of you know. Well, filter filter the sounds out and whatnot, those noises. Yeah. Um, yeah, but quiet. Go on. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. but back then, you know, when you were dealing with tape in reel-to-reel, there was no noise. There, Those motors are inherently quiet. Mm-hmm. So they started to add noise to it. Um, and that's what Jurgensen and E-Step and Radova and Roll and all of these classic EVP practitioners, you go back and listen to any of their, any of their clips, they're static in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know... The idea with white noise, and this is something we latched on to years ago, big time. And as you were talking about the idea of white noise and adding noise to an environment to, you know, to try to get voices to come through. um, Have you ever, I'm sure you've done sessions like this with Mm -hmm. like, you know, extreme white noise, like in headphones and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, We used to do a lot of these sessions years ago. Um, And the one thing I was thinking about, I'd like to ask you about is when you came out of one of those sessions... Like, you know, we, we would do like three, four hour runs, which is a lot. That's psycho. Yeah, it's it's sucky. <laughs> it's sucky, man. Um, I would never do it like that again. Uh, when you when you do a session like this, how did you feel when you came out of that? I guess it's a question I had just simply, you know, what were, what was your mood? Foggy. Foggy? Foggy. Because, you know, you just get assailed by all of the sound. And then all of a sudden when you take it away and it's quiet, it's like. It's like after a concert, but your ears aren't ringing. You know the yeah, vibe. Yeah. 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 Um, I know when we, we used to do these experiments, we do these runs, as I said, three to four hours sometimes. We'd come out of that thing. I Well, I should say I would come out of that, and I would be just drained. I, you know, I guess foggy would apply mm-hmm. too, but I was just drained. Like, excuse me, I mean, I'd come in there wired on coffee, ready to go all night, and sometimes we do sessions, you know, in the evening into the very late evening, early morning. Go get a bite to eat afterwards and talk things over. And I'd just be barely keeping my head up. I'd be a total wreck. And that's the one that, I mean, 
I think just having that kind of sound, like you said, assaulting your your, your eardrums for that long, I think it just kind of puts you somewhere else. I, did, I think, and what I think maybe the thing too, I thought about this a long time ago, is that your brain, the human brain's trying to make sense of all this noise. Of course it right? is. Right. So you're, you're you know you're burning a lot of calories and a lot of energy. Uh, with your brain trying to figure out what in the hell's going on here, why am what am I hearing here? And you're trying to, you know, of course, as I'm listening in my headphones and this, I'm trying to hear voices too. I'm trying to hear something come through. So there's all this stuff you're doing on a mental level that I think just that because you know, of course, we had a medium on you know on site a couple times, and they're like, oh no, it's the spirits. They're taking, they're sucking your energy out. I'm like, no, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just my fucking brain's being burned out here. From trying to deal with all this stuff that's that you know I'm exposing it to, um, so it's interesting. I've talked to other people about that too. You know, when you do these long sessions, just getting beat up by white noise, how you come out of that? And yeah, we're all kind of in the same ballpark. There's like foggy, there's tired, there's drained, and they, to me, they're kind of all mm-hmm. like, you know, what the hell? So it, it's, and I mean, that's the thing with the white noise. That's just that's always been this, and that's with ITC though. I mean, this is. See, I've I've always just kind of went and just worked on. I know, and I know there's a differentiation between the two. That's working with the white noise is with ITC, correct? Well, yeah, and uh, yeah, you can do it with EVP. Yeah, yeah. Ghost boxes incorporate uh, white noise. Every one of those channels in between the radio channels that you listen to is static, and all of that is brought to the surface. That's all white noise. That's getting scanned. And you also have direct radio voice. I'm not sure if you're familiar familiar with Marcello Bacci. But he had a lab in Grosseto, Italy, and he just stopped after four and a half decades of work. Once a week, his his listening lab, he would open up to the public. Yeah. Then he had a tube radio that he would just turn to an interfrequency. And after a short period of time, there would be like this beeping sound, and the voices would just erupt forward, and people could talk to their relatives and loved ones on the other side. Fuck. Not only that, really? his lab had been examined by Every friggin' scientist you could imagine, they came in. The only thing that they could say is that they know that the signal was not rigged. Okay. That's the only thing they could speak to, but he just retired after four and a half decades of work doing this for the public every week. Does he have his stuff out there somewhere on the internet? Well, there's lots of stuff on YouTube and stuff, yeah. Okay. To look that one we'll up. So, yeah, there you go. That sounds interesting. That's yeah. a rabbit hole, um, so we can well, go down. Well, yeah, no, I know. That would be a YouTube. Quick. Tim. Well, yeah, you mentioned the ghost box. Yeah. I want to know what what is a ghost box? Because I mean, we hear this a lot. I'm sorry, you. I totally, I'll get back to that question. I totally steamrolled the hell. You did out of steamroll you. me. It's okay. Well, no, then you talk. No, because no, we're on the right sideway, so keep going with ghost box. Uh, this is, mm-hmm. Yay! Uh. All right, <laughs> score one for testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> boys, boys, one, girls, oh my zero. God. <laughs> uh, you know, we've been hearing about ghost boxes for years. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I want to. Yeah, let's let's talk about a direct question here. What is a ghost box? Can you tell me? I'm a dummy. Well, and did they just start with Frank Sumption? Okay, um, can of worms. Let's open it up. Um, you're talking to the guy for ghost boxes. I published on him for almost a decade right. now. So yeah, it did start with Frank. Um, Frank. Uh, he picked up an issue of Popular Electronics in 1995. There was an article in there written by a guy you're probably familiar with, Konstantinos. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, he wrote an article on Konstantin Radova, who's the guy who published Breakthrough, which was an analysis of a couple thousand EVPs. It was published in English. 
Um, it came out with a small 45 with the book, and it was the first book that brought EVP to the English-speaking world. So Radova was covered in this magazine, as was White Noise, which we've touched on, mm-hmm. and something called the Radova Diode, which was a way to... It's called a cat's whisker. Basically, basically, it's a germanium diode that you hook up to an antenna, and it broadcasts a weak AM signal. So it's just creating a little bit of white noise in the background. So all of this was in that article that Frank picked up. At that point in time, Frank would, loved EVP. He was working with Sarah and a few others, and uh, he also f- used EVP to try to talk to aliens. Hey, nothing wrong with that. So anyway, he picked this thing up in uh, 95. It kind of like languished on the shelves, blah, blah, blah. Um, Picked it up a couple times over the years. And then going into 2002, he picked it up again, went to sleep, and a fully formed circuit appeared in his head. Now, Frank was not an electrical engineer by any way, shape, or means. He was a radio operator in Vietnam, and he had a ham station in his backyard. But this thing just right into his head so he woke up wrote it down mm-hmm. and started to work on it and he thought it was a signal uh, signal to talk to aliens uh the first box he created was in 2002 and it was the first ghost box it didn't even have a name at this point in time the name frank's box came around a lot later um a man by the name of chris moon got a handful of his boxes oh, no no chris moon and he's the one who actually dubbed it frank's box yeah um, and basically, it was, it was Frank's box right up until uh, um, other people got their hands on the schematics. Uh, Frank put his schematics online via EVPITC, his old Yahoo group, and that's where I initially met Frank back in 2008. Um, and he put his schematics up, and people like Ron Ricketts of Minibox fame, he made his own line of boxes before he died in 2012. Joe Siapi uh, created his own line of boxes before he died. And uh, so we had these different boxes going around. So the term ghost box started to float into the, into the uh, paranormal community. Frank's boxes are, is a term that's reserved for boxes that are hand-built by Frank. He made 180 of them. Um, in two, November of 2007, a man on Frank's forum who went under the name of Some Duck, um, <laughs> he figured out a way to create a... A ghetto Frank's box. And what he did is he took a Radio Shack. Oh, the Shack hack. Yeah, he took a Radio Shack um, radio and basically did a real brief modification where he cut the mute wire. And when he cut the mute wire, when you hit the scan, instead of going from one loud, clear frequency to the next loud, clear frequency, it's constantly scanning. So you're bringing all that white noise to the surface. Mm -hmm. What most people don't know is that man, some duck, was actually Bill Chappell. Um, who is well-known for his Ovilus and everything oh. else. So the first two boxes that he made were, were given to my mentor, who um, introduced me to ghost boxes in early 2008. And I have the second box that was ever hacked. The first one is lost. So that's a museum piece. So I've got the last box Frank ever made and the, sec- the, the, on- well, the second box that was ever hacked. It's the only one that's available these days. Huh. But, uh, cool. yeah, from there, we the term spirit box came out in, oh, I think it was 2010 or 2011. It was 2010. Halloween of 2010, this man by the name of Gary Galka uh, created this box that was mass-produced in China. It's still out there today that anyone can buy. 
and he called it the PSB7, the Paranormal Spirit Box 7. So that's where the term spirit box came from, but ghost box has been around a hell of a lot longer than that. Now, what a ghost box is, is basically outside of a shack hack, which is just a modified radio, these custom boxes, you take a radio tuner and you apply random voltage to it. This random voltage is controlled via a sweep function. So by controlling the sweep, you're controlling how fast up and down the radio dial you're going. Sometimes you go linearly, sometimes you can go reverse, sometimes you can do a random jump from frequency to frequency to frequency. Mm. And through the mechanism of scanning white noise and random audio, we're getting amazing communication. Now, the cool thing about this, uh, going because I've just delved so headfirst into this, I've come across a couple quotes um, going back to the 30s from mediumship, and one of them just jumps right out at me. Um, the first one was Suzanne Max Getting, where she said that um, the waves that are being produced by the other side um, are producing voices that are not quite human. This is, you know, not word for word. Yeah. But uh, basically what she was saying was the waves that they're producing will be received on this side like radio waves when we build a machine that is sensitive enough to receive them. This was mm. like 1930. Then in 1936, oh, God, I can't remember her name, but she was also a medium, and she was channeling Tibetan Master DK, and basically in 36 it said the 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 existence from the other side will be reduced to a true science via the use of radio waves so we had two mediums in the 30s saying that spirit communication was going to arrive via radio waves and this was you know, 20 plus years before radio was ever used with EVP and 70 plus years before it was ever used yeah. with ghost boxes. So radio has been where the spirit realm has told us we need to be going for communication with the other side. That's awesome. Um, now with the ghost boxes, do you think they're still using like the whole white noise thing, all that? I mean, do you, mm -hmm. do you think there was a difference between like Frank's, the stuff he made and like using the radio shack for when it came to how i don't know the quality i guess like was one better than the other well with frank's boxes that that sweep function so that makes a huge difference um because you can control how fast it's going a modified radio it steps up and down the scan at a fixed rate you can never ever change that unless you solder in a sweep and then half the time it doesn't even work and it's clunky because you've got a box with a small thin box with a knob on it it doesn't really work um, the fastest radios are like 0 0.07 seconds per frequency so when you are getting uh, full sentences of communication and you realize well I just timed out that sentence and it's you know over uh, three seconds and you then you can calculate how many frequencies it actually went over mm -hmm. during the during that that's the advantage of shack hacks okay but for me um, I use my boxes a little differently I've practiced automatic writing since I was a kid it's just one of those things I've always been drawn to and I, I don't think you've ever seen me use a box in a session before but when we were at Petoskey I think two years ago okay I think we were and we were doing Remember when those women, we were, we were just me, you, it was a small group of us, and suddenly the woman goes, oh my God, that's my husband's badge number. And like the number, like oh, 927. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, just, yeah. It was so Shonda, yeah. shocking. Anybody need coffee? 
Oh, coffee break? Coffee. No, no, we can keep going. I'm gonna grab, I'll grab coffee Scott, for Scott's going to be our little he hostess. Be, he can be our coffee bitch, yeah. Aww. All right. Okay. <laughs> but, so, yeah, that, that was amazing to have. I mean, because you're hearing this. Blah, 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 when, blah. I mean, you're hearing all this, you know, the kind of garbledy. Shark hack. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then to hear all of a sudden, clear as day, and I don't remember the numbers, it doesn't matter, but like 927. And she's like, oh my God, which really that whole, that pertained to, um, can you add more whiskey to that too? Thank you. So, um, I mean, that pertained to like her issue that was at hand. Well, it wasn't her. It was actually her husband. Yeah. And the person who came through, um, her husband is a Navy, Navy SEAL. Yeah. And it was somebody in his squad that died. Yeah. Yeah. And he felt real guilty about it. So her husband's name was called out. The guy who died's name was called out. Badge number, some military code. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. That was like, what? That was crazy. Um, so what do you think about doing, do you think that when someone uses one of these devices, that it's one of those things that anybody can do? Or do you think it helps if you have some mediumistic ability or you're a little more open to things or does it not matter at all? They're going to come through however they come through. You will notice a marked difference between people who dedicate themselves to a form of communication versus people who don't. People who align themselves with EVP record amazing EVPs. There are a handful of people who have embraced ghost boxes and they get great communication. Um, and there are people who also fake communication, but that's a difference. Well, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but myself, I was an early adopter, and I wasn't even convinced about ghost boxes until I was at um, Rolling Hills, and a box was being used. Thank you, Miss Scott. Our coffee's arrived. A box was being used, and in the middle of... Uh, the session, it just stopped, cleared up, and said Tim Woolworth. Oh, that's wild. And I was like, okay, this is really fucking cool. So I went out and I modified a box, and I've been doing it ever since. And I don't know if, because I practice automatic writing, when I get into these specialized boxes of sweeping, what I do is I kind of close my eyes and I just lock into it. And my right hand, because I'm right-handed, that's the one I automatic write with, it, they control the sweep. For me, okay, and it clears up the communication immensely. The level of communication that I get is some of the best in the world every time, um, and that's not being humble. That's not that's not bragging. That's just the way yeah. it is. And a big portion of that is one, I was an early adopter, and two, something that uh, Professor Ernst Senkowski, the guy who created the term instrumental transcommunication, he had something that he called a contact field. A contact field is when you work with the other side. So I've used these boxes in five different countries and so many states and so many investigations over the last decade. So a contact field, when you use it on the other side, you kind of, your vibration's kind of known by the other side. It's like you turn on a box, it's like a blue light, this ding, okay. ding, ding, come find this guy. So anywhere I go, I get a lot of the same voices over and over, a lot of these texts. But because my contact field is so huge, I always get communication almost invariably i turn on a box and the first words that come out are hi tim or tim or something along those lines um last monday halloween i am at the university of michigan doing a lecture and i brought in a couple boxes so i'm dealing with a class of like 85 kids few professors none of whom know dick about the paranormal (laughs) which is one of the best things it was a horror writing class yeah okay oh that's fun so i turn on the box i only had five minutes 
and I said, you know something, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to get a couple of you named, and uh, let's see what happens. So three kids' names came through one oh, of my boxes. Fun. Then I just pointed at the professor, and I'm like, what's her name? And it just came through Gina, loud and clear, and just watching the pallor right. on these faces, it just blew people away. Did you get that collective like collective gasp as soon as everyone heard the voice? I think the kid in the front row said, I'm shook. I'm shook. In common parlance. <laughs> I'm shook. <laughs> Um, the segue a minute because you talked about doing automatic writing. Yeah. I don't think we've ever discussed how you got involved and interested in all of this. Like, oh. where did that come from? Um, from a long family history. Okay. Um, basically, I grew up in a house that was built in the 1840s. A few generations of family had been in there. They died. And blah, this blah, was blah. in Jersey, right? Nope. Jersey. Wait, wait, where were you from originally? Jesus Christ, woman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm from a little town called Oswego, New York. Oh, New York. Okay. Yeah, so it's right on the shores right. of Lake Ontario. So Fort Ontario was my backyard, 200 feet from my house. There, the Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, the French and Indian okay. War were fought in my backyard. Okay. Um, so at this ho- in this house, we had, I grew up with, you know, the typical footsteps, knocks, blah, blah, blah. But also a lot of object translocation, which was really cool when stuff would just disappear from your nightstand and wind up in a cupboard downstairs. Oh, I wish that would happen around here. <laughs> but uh, the other side of the equation was my mother. She is like this crazy Christian. So I would come home like on a Wednesday after school and there'd be like a Baptist and a Mormon and a Catholic and they'd be having a religious roundtable in my living room where they just sit there and argue Bible semantics. Um, And because she was a super Christian, what she would do is she would buy books on exorcisms and possessions and poltergeist and scrying and witchcraft and all this cool shit because she wanted to learn everything that was bad in the world so she could protect herself and make herself a better Christian. Interesting. So she know when Satanists were knocking on the door during the satanic panic, she could recognize them from a mile (laughs) away. But me, I'm just this little kid. I'm like, holy shit. You got these books in the house probably reading them like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I'm like, I'm like you know, I'm seven years old reading about the Warrens and okay. looking at these devil scry- these devil woodcuts and pictures of women scrying and bowls of water and mirrors. And that was the coolest shit ever. And it just instilled this in me. And I just I followed it my entire life. Okay. That's so cool. Okay. I always wondered, like, like I didn't know if you got involved with, like, the ghost hunting groups after like the big you know in the early o's and like hey i just watched an episode of ghost hunters this is awesome oh like yeah, i didn't man. know yeah i didn't know what your origin story was on to the next one yeah. <laughs> but uh actually i did join you up just say, you just call it his origin yeah. story hey that's, that's <laughs> stanley when, exactly yeah, yeah. i was gonna say man that was brilliantly put in it really Thank was nice. we you. had a hulk smash we had a lot of things going on today <laughs> but uh yeah um i joined a group in 2007 a group it was this douchebag i met on craigslist this is a guy this is how these stories will go i want to hear your story so i'm like you know um before meeting up with him i lived in a house that had i i'm a i'm a word nerd i have so many damn books and i do a lot of writing so the front room of my house in syracuse was the sunroom and i had all my bookshelves in there the top shelf of top two shelves of one of my bookcases was packed with books on the process of writing um just everything you could imagine so one day i'm in my kitchen cooking and i hear this 
and I, I walk out to the room. I was looking all around, like, what the hell's going on? I go to the sunroom. There's this book laying in the middle of the floor from the top shelf. It was a book by Dorothea Brand. At this point in my, she was from the um, Great Depression, and mm. she was this real bootstrappy lady who said, no, you need to write the same time every day, even if it means missing a wedding or missing a funeral or whatever. You have to write every day, same time. Complete bootstrap, bitch. So... I looked at it because it was a point in time where I wasn't writing a lot. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Put it back on the shelf. Two weeks later, the same book came out mm, on the that's floor. That's a sign. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I don't know what the hell's going on here. I've read about all this stuff, but I don't know where to start. So Craigslist 2007, ghost hunting. All right. <laughs> There's this dude. I meet up with him at this old tugboat and, uh, He's got this recorder that's probably two bits at best. And this guy thought every leave that blew across the street was being carried by. It was carried by a demon. Right. Seriously. So I realized this guy was a joker after two of them and I was just done. Um, So I decided to Google around and see if I could find anybody who was reputable. And this team popped up called Central New York Ghost Hunters. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to one of their meetings. What the hell? They had an open call for meetings. And there was this lady who ran the group by the name of Stacy Jones. And Stacy had been actively investigating EVP, oh, investigating um, for over 20 plus years. She was famous for something called the most horrific EVP ever. It lasts for like 10 minutes long. There's all kinds of screaming and growling, and it's a, it's a classic. Um, it's also super noisy as well. But uh, she knew everybody. Um, so this is way back in the day. She's introducing me to like Chip Coffee and okay. Johnny Zaffis okay. and all these people. Yep. Yeah. And she introduced me to the ghost box. But more importantly, she allowed me to take my lifetime of knowledge and apply it to um, paranormal investigation. Yeah. So, yeah, I was with those guys for like 2011 or so. Then I moved out here and ITC voices just took off. Right. And, yeah. Awesome. I wondered about that. Um, okay, so when we were when we were talking about <clears throat> the different boxes, what do you think about what, what is it called? Like the SV seven, SB seven, SB seven. Yeah. Okay, PSB and then 7. taking that, and so it's being called the Estes method. Have you heard of this? Oh, of course. Okay, so what do you think about that? Where people, if, for those who don't know, it's where you take this little. I mean, what would you call this? Like a little. It's like a mini. What's a mini? I don't know, ghost box, I guess. It's just it's, it's, a, it's sweeping the it, AM or FM band. It's a ghost box um, that sounds like a freight train. Okay. So you listen to it, you're going to hear... Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a good... It's no. artificial white noise. It's a white noise blast because the guy who, d- who gave Gary the intimation of this, he was... Tr- Gary wanted to create a digital recorder... A, a digital ghost box. So it had a digital tuner in it, which meant that there was no noise whatsoever. Um, it was cheaper to mass manufacture right. in China that way. Just get it slapped on, just get it stamped and go yeah. to town. Um, so what they did is they interjected artificial white noise in between each frequency. So it oh. sounds horrible. Okay. But it's a ghost box. It works. Okay. Okay. So then the other the other half of this is then that you plug in noise-canceling headphones mm-hmm. and then blindfold yourself. Well, no. That's not the full Estes method. The real Estes method is where you have one person u- using the ghost box where another person is using headphones in another room re- saying what they hear from the yeah, other room. Yeah. So you have two different forms of communication right, going on. Right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. And so 
do you think so the person that's actually got the headphones and the and you know they're listening to everything do you think like because I've done that, mm-hmm. so I have those little, you know, I have all that that, that gadget upstairs and everything, and it, it kind of puts you into that weird, I don't know if hypnagogic state's right, but, like, you sort of get into that weird, like, zone out. And then, of course, I question everything, like, did I just hear that? I don't know if I heard that. I don't know well, if I had to we were talking about earlier, enough. though, too. It's I know, idea. but mm-hmm. there's been times where, like, I did start to get into that, like, weird zone, and all of a sudden, like, you kind of jump because, like, a name just comes out or some word that just seems too, like... But, you know, I didn't hear any words at all, and all of a sudden, there's a solid word. I don't know. If this, am I making sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, the Estes method works, but you have to use it cautiously. For, like, if I am somebody who I equate myself to a little bit of electronic mediumship, basically, when you watch me do a session, I'll say something right before it comes out of the box. That happens all the damn time. Um, I've had my voice transfigured by Friedrich Jurgensen in a famous clip where he actually came through over my voice, which is just absolutely astounding. When you say it came through over your voice, I want to... It was transformed. So basically, I was asking a question. At the end of my question, he started, and the two words intermingled to the point where it created a unique, conver- a unique um, voice for him. Yeah. And the cool thing about that particular clip when he came through... Um, I would, I have Jurgensen's EVPs, so I was able to find sound points that match up. Yeah. And I compared the two of his voice that came through on the box, and he was he actually came through by name, mm-hmm. and sound points on his EVP, and they match up. And I sent it over to the VTF, which mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, and there are several board members on the VTF now who are still there when Jurgensen was a member of the VTF, and one of them said, absolutely, that's Jurgensen's voice. Oh really? Yes. I the reason I, I I'm sorry, I don't want to derail us too hard here, but the reason I wanted to ask you about that is we have a an uh, me and Doug have a piece of audio from God, that would have been two thousand four now, where something not the same, similar, same ballpark, uh, we experienced at least well, we didn't experience, we just heard it back on the recording where Doug and I are having a conversation, actually. See, back back when we were doing this, we were very... We, we were under the idea where sometimes we, you know, and I, I want to talk about this with you also, you know, the maybe the benefits of not using white noise. I know mm-hmm. it's, it, it kind of changes the whole game, uh, but our approach uh, many years ago was we would not use white noise sometimes. That was, a, that was another arm of what we'd do. We would just go into an environment, turn the recorder on, and have conversations. Oh, absolutely. Right? We would just have conversations with each other, and we would, before a session would start, Amber's running around running around the basement here. We don't know what she's doing, but she's really creeping us out. Well, what's going on here? What? Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, some bubble wrap. Some bubble wrap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll discuss that Oh, later. is that the sonic dildo? I've heard about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, this is the stuff that you guys just don't get to experience and appreciate out there and podcast, radio, listener land, whatever. But no, we we would um, do sessions and, and we would, you know, we'd always start a session off by saying, you know, well, I'm so and so. Here's my voice. I'm mm-hmm. so and so. Here's my voice to establish who's in the environment. Of course. Well, it's you know, I always like to tell people. And I, maybe, it's, you know, I don't do as much research now as I used to, but, you know, in two decades of research, I can literally count on one hand 
maybe maybe bleeding into two hands now of how many things that I've you know maybe we've we've recorded or experienced that I would consider anomalous, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm as psychic as this laptop. You is, don't have you know? to be psychic. I, I just I don't I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of things that have happened, but I think things like that really stuck out, such as the thing I was going to mention here. Uh, they were few and far between. This particular uh, EVP we got, and I'm going to make sure I get it over to you to listen to. There was actually two in the same day we got. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Um, we are, it's Doug and I having a conversation. We're actually in a cemetery mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of, literally smack dab in the middle of Brazil County in Indiana. And to say it in short, the conversation we're having um we're making statements and we're getting statements of, uh, you know, agreement back. Right. As in, you know, I don't want to go too far into it, but one of the things I said is I want to go to IHOP and have some coconut pancakes. Uh, And Doug, you know, who, you know, we both established our voices in this piece of audio. Uh, You hear a voice come through in Doug's voice. It sounds very close to the recorder. You can hear the distance mm-hmm. with us from the recording device. And the funny thing was, is the recording device to pick this up was our other friend, Scott. His name's Scott also. And he just happened to leave it on a tombstone. He just left it there. And we walked by and said, oh, look, there's must be Scott's recorder. You know, and, and we were more or less being kind of, you know, messing with him a little like, oh, yeah, we don't like Scott or whatever. Uh, just so he could listen to it back and be like, oh, those, guys, those wacky guys, you know. Um, but this conversation there's something that was picked up and it was this very bizarre thing where you hear the conversation between us there's the distance that i mentioned before and then you hear a statement being said directly to the recorder in doug's voice and it's like that because you hear doug talking in the background like mm-hmm. bah, 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 but it's the same fucking voice it's it's really eerie well uh, that that's the can of worms you just opened up there cool. let's okay let's well let's it. well let's go back to what you started with um, that, you know, everybody established their voices. Yeah. That is one of the key things when you're doing an EVP session. Okay. Basically, you always want to timestamp it. Yeah. Location. Oh, we'd always do that too, yeah. And then have everybody say their name in a loud, clear voice. Mm-hmm. On one occasion with that team in New York, we were at a, an old Grange Hall, and there were eight of us, and we all give our names. Yeah. And somebody named Pete signed in as well. He okay. wasn't. There's no guy named Pete in the group. Oh, so they do that. They 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 participate in the conversations. Well, yeah. The, I mean, these these uh, not to get too philosophical. These people they were once people. Yeah, they want to talk. They want to hang out. Not not always once. So uh, here's where the can of worms opens okay. up. All so right. Okay. I hope you're hungry because they're going to slither all <laughs> over your desk here in a second. So, um, on my site. I have an article called Projection of Consciousness on ITC Voices. On this particular article, I have three separate audio clips. Each one of these audio clips is the voice of someone who is alive and well and known to me, and their voice is coming through my ghost box. On two of the occasions, the person was asleep. One person, the first time it happened, he was in California, I was in New York. We both used to be sound engineers. We were roommates in Hollywood in the 90s. I hadn't talked to this guy in forever. This was 2009, 2010, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I still had his email address, luckily. Um, I'd moved to New York six years earlier. And, you know, when you move states, cross country, you kind of, you know, lose contact with people. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm reviewing the session. Then all of a sudden I hear Timmy 
because he always said it because we were roommates in the 90s with fucking South Park. So that's why he always said my voice. Yeah. And then he said, then, then the word Karina came through. And I was like, what the fuck? That's Sean's voice. Yeah. So, so I email Sean, tell him to give me a call. I explain to him what I'm doing, all this jazz. And I send him the clip and he's like, yeah, that's definitely my voice. And you got Karina in there. And I'm like, yeah, who's Karina? It was his life partner. He wow. just met her two weeks prior to that. And in his dream state, he was communicating that through a ghost box. The second time it happened was a member of my old team. She was asleep as well. And she was practicing lucid dreaming. So her voice came through, and it was so crystal clear because it was right when I turned on a Frank's box and just came through, hey, Tim. So because she was local, I had her record her voice. Uh, I recorded her voice, and we ran her voice through a spectrogram, and you could see the frequencies match up. Oh, that's trippy. Now, the freaking brain tickler about that is when you think about how voice is created, you know as a musician, mm. you have air, it pushes on a diaphragm, and yeah. it goes straight up through, vibrates your vocal cords. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has a different vibration on their vocal cords. Yeah. Now, how in the hell can the frequencies match up from a disincarnate voice that isn't being pushed by vocal cords? Right. The third time mm. is the one that still tickles my pickle to this day. <laughs> so I'm sitting down at a table in an old funeral home, and I'm doing a ghost box session. The lady I mentioned earlier, Stacy, she's sitting right next to me. So we didn't catch it in real time. I go back, and I'm listening to this session, and her voice comes through the ghost box, and then she speaks right after it in real time next to me at the table. That's so... That's like... Okay. No. That's like like what, time thing. No, what that tells you is that basically I sent these clips to Dean Radin. I don't know if you know who. Yes, I oh, love Dean. Okay, I sent these clips to Dean, and he basically he was astounded, and he said that basically this proves in any form of mediumship, including the stuff I was doing, we have no idea who we're talking to at any given point in time. Right. What I was talking with, going back to my definition of instrumental transcommunication in the yeah. beginning, is disincarnate intelligence. It is consciousness separate from the body. Uh, so we are receivers of consciousness. I mean, if you go into any form of consciousness study, our physical selves, consciousness does not reside here. We are basically a circuit that allows for communication in a physical realm so we can interact with things. Consciousness exists in a different plane, and it comes down into us. Basically, we use consciousness. Yeah. So when we escape our bodies via dreams mm -hmm. or... Um, Astral projection, OBEs, that's consciousness leaving the body. Remote viewing, consciousness leaving the body. You have a medium that is um, hearing sounds from the other side, seeing people from the other side. They're dealing with consciousness. They're not dealing with beings. They're dealing with consciousness. Right? It's not all dead people. So if your friend having that recorder on the tombstone his voice coming through there is the same thing as the voice coming through on the ghost box. It's consciousness in a different state than what we're in right now. And I've had three people tell me my voice has come through on their recorders over the last few years. So, I mean, so there's something taking, well, okay, assuming the consciousness, like you said, it's, it's a separate thing from who we are as people. We don't possess consciousness then. It's something we just use. We are as, like we're vessels of consciousness. Like the consciousness is in the cloud and we 
we pull it down, we download it. Okay, yeah, All right. That's we're, what I was saying. We're in constant we're, download we're, and upload. We're yeah. using this as a tool. I mean, constant this, download and there's upload. This, there's this ethereal database out there that we're just interacting with. Correct. Um, I like and that we, and ethereal like, as you, database. As you, as, <laughs> that as, should be my techno band. As you said, we're receivers. That we are. We're yeah. basically as people receivers of this. So based on that. Um, in this ethereal database that we, we that we have that, that's out there for whatever reason. First song. This that thing. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I know that giggle. <laughs> well, the, 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 what happened was, see, the brain fired off to that stupid song I've been listening to on YouTube over and over again oh, by God. that baby Korea. shark. No, oh. shibbity. That friggin' little big Russian weird dance. They're like another one of them Dant word band type uh, bands. We can expose uh, it to you later. Tim. Oh, it's okay. ridiculous, but it's now that's stuck in my head, and my whole train of thoughts is shit to bed. So, but this, but going back to this idea, because I want to understand this as far as what your statement was about consciousness being in this cloud. We're talking about this; these voices, then, as far as consciousness, mm-hmm. right? We're, if a if a person's voice is projected, like my friend, like you said, Doug, um, his voice is being projected in that situation. Uh, something's using it, though. Isn't there something using that voice? Going back to what Suzanne Max Getting said, the waves emanate out, and that's what's happening. The consciousness is projecting in waves, and we have... So, okay, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't cut you off, but all right. So basically, yeah, as receivers of consciousness... Mm-hmm. Without us knowing it sometimes, I guess, like when that situation with Doug, without him knowing it, he projected this voice. Well, he didn't project it. The consciousness is there. Doug had no control over it. Doug is a receiver. So so you've got consciousness in more than one location at once. You've got, you know, the skin suit that it's using. Yeah, yeah. But it's existing in a different place and time. Well, now we're talking that consciousness is is a being in its own, though. It, it seems is. to me like it seems to me like it's its own entity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's your soul. It's your spirit. It's your consciousness. But I thought consciousness was this, this, this thing outside of us, though. We're just the receivers of that. Spirit doesn't live here. We're so when you have <laughs> this is the wrong night to try to get into this shit for me. I'm on no sleep. Come on, guys. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's like remote viewing. What happens? You know, your your consciousness breaks free of the restraints of the body and gets to travel around and see things. Okay, all right. Um, you have NDEs. What happens? You know, oh, there's a body. Yeah, consciousness is free reign. It's no longer attached to yeah. something. Okay. All what right. did Doug say? Do you remember what the recording said? Oh yeah, exactly. I know exactly what he said. Um, you know, I. I really don't like doing this. I'd like you just to hear it raw, but we're just kind of in the thick of the weeds now. But literally, as I said before, we were having this conversation, and we we had this file up on the old ghostly talk stuff up for years. I think I've since then stripped it out uh, from the new site. Uh, I should put it back up, though. It's really cool. They're two really interesting EVPs. Um, but we're having a conversation, as I said, about um, uh, coconut pancakes. Mm-hmm. That was the big joke about the whole thing is I – I wanted to go back. Early in the day, we had these these really good pancakes at IHOP. I thought they were really good. And uh, I was just all day long, I'm like, I don't want to ghost time. I just want to go back to IHOP. So that's the conversation we're having. We're laughing about that. And there's another. I was playing some game. So I want to go play this game again. It was fun. And that's what Doug and I are discussing is um, 
I'm like, I just want those coconut pancakes again. I want to go play that quarter game we were playing earlier at the gas station we stopped at. And Doug's like, he's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And then it's when the voice comes in and says, me too. Hmm? In Doug's voice. And we've been kind of scratching our heads about that one for a long time. Of course. Because, like, you know, why did Doug? Doug didn't say that. But but that makes sense. I mean, I want to do that too. Me too. I mean, it's the same. Oh, it, answer, it, answered, it, the it same. answered the question. that It made perfect sense. But what didn't make sense to us was simply Doug's standing next to me and this voice clearly it sounds just like him is talking directly like you can hear it's like you know directly on the mic of this recording device well imagine sitting next to someone in here and their voice come through a ghost box yeah yeah Yeah, same thing it's the same thing yeah so i mean i i'm sorry i took us down this rabbit hole oh that's okay rabbit holes are great this this idea was fascinating to me um how we're and, and i'm glad we got to talk about this some more because I've I've wondered because I've heard other people saying, well, I've heard, you know, people's voices like my voice or somebody's, you know, very like you said, very much alive on recordings. I'm like, what? Don't make what the hell. But going on your idea, that makes perfect sense. I once recorded, yeah, before I had, before I recorded these voices and stumbled on this theory that took me a few years to develop. Um, I had a weird ghost box session where it said, Tim, don't come here. You're able. There are two of you. Oh, really? Yeah. So basically it was telling me not to travel there, probably via astral or whatever, but there are two of me. So there's the physical self and the consciousness self. Okay. And they told me that. Yeah. So this is kind of, uh, this is a little off topic, but I don't want to forget. Um, What do the skeptics say causes EVP? Uh, What are the kind of like the arguments out there? Misconstrued audio, uh, stray radio waves, um, somebody speaking in the room and not remembering, uh, all of which have been debunked a million times over. I go back to Radova, for example. Um, He sat down with a group of scientists because he was a learned man. He was a psychologist who trained under Dr. Carl Jung. He was a practicing scientist his entire life. What he did is he sat down with audiologists, physicists, biologists, electronic engineers, did EVP sessions with them, recorded it. These guys are like, I don't know, it's there. Um, he was invited to Pi Studios. At Pi Studios, he sat down, oh, I can't remember, it was 12 or 23, no, it was 23 recorders at Pi Studios, recording studios. So, you know, this place is completely shielded from everything. All of the audio is con- in a contained environment. They recorded for 12 minutes. Over, the, over all of these recorders, they had 200 individual utterances in a controlled environment. Um, I look at, you know, Ernst Senkowski, who is a physicist. And he's the one who actually dove headfirst in, he was a professor, dove headfirst into ITC and started to realize, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. And started to codify all of these different mechanisms for communicating with the other side under the umbrella of ITC. And even before EVP, you can, you can go back to the early days of the SPR where several Nobel laureates and, and doctors were all part of the SPR in researching parapsychical phenomena. Right, yeah, yeah, William James, all these people that were yeah, big deals in, in their fields yeah. are looking into this. Hyslop, Oliver Lodge, yep. F. W. H. Myers, I mean the list goes on and on. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. I mean it goes on and on and on. And there are basically in today's science, we deal with something called materialism. 
what we want to do is we want to break things down to its constituent parts, to the smallest thing that we possibly can to understand how it works. Um, it's also, that's materialist science. It's, re, it's a reductionist f- philosophy. When we are dealing with consciousness, when we're trying to communicate with somebody who was alive and well at one point in time and is alive and well now as consciousness without a body, what we are, what we are trying to do, and you can't look at it from a materialist perspective. No, I don't think it's as simple as trying to break it down to its fundamental aspects. You can't because you have to reverse everything and there's there's a new movement called biocentrism that um was proposed by a doctor from a neuroscientist from harvard named uh robert lanza and what he says is we have to examine everything under the lens of consciousness once you understand how consciousness affects everything even going to particle physics and quantum entanglement and how uh, how experiments change when you view them um that's all consciousness. If you can't understand how consciousness exa- how, ever, how consciousness affects everything, then science is not going to move forward. Mm-hmm. That's why I like Dean Radin and his books. Like, oh, yeah. I love that man. I love what he's doing. Like Radin is amazing. Uh, Sheldrake is another one you have to read. Morphogenesis. Um, that guy, his work is stunning as well. Robert Lanza. Um, Chalmers, who is the leading consciousness uh, researcher in the world, he came up with the phrase, the hard problem of consciousness, where in a, in a fixed environment, we can all learn the exact same thing, but every one of us has our own experiential world. In a materialist, materialist society, that should not be possible. We should all be robots thinking, feeling the same thing, but every one of us is all experiential. Because everybody's experience of the exact same thing is different. It's totally different. And yeah. that's the hard problem of consciousness. That is, that is what we have to examine. In ITC, what we are doing is we are examining consciousness and talking to consciousness directly. We are bypassing this physical skin suit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle for, I mean, people like me uh, – working in computer science and things like that where you are breaking things down to you're getting as granular as you can with you have to yeah Uh, and that's you know and that's just a performance there's a lot of reasons for that uh but i've also recognized that years and years ago that and that's people we're going to prove the existence of this thing we're going to get it down to its fundamental aspects like i said before we're going to know exactly how to and you know it goes back into the scientific method we're going to repeat this over and over again we're going to do this in a lab we're going to do all this great stuff and i'm like you know i want to see that dean radin I want to see that. Dean Radin does that. So you can go back to the early days of JB and Louisa Ryan at the Ryan Institute, which Mm -hmm. used to be part of Duke University right up until the late 80s. Mm -hmm. Still exists today. It's a shadow of what it used to be. But they started dealing with experiments on telekinesis and telepathy. So they were doing experiments um, with the Zener cards and the Pierce Pratt experiment. Um, I can't remember who was the receiver, who was the sender, but they were two buildings apart and they were timed. Every five minutes, another card would be drawn and the receiver would say what it is. The amount of cards that he got re- he got correct was less than like one in a billion chance that there wasn't ESP going on. Yeah. They did um, telekinesis on, th- on dice rolls where you would um, 
attempt to create the outcome of the dice on an automatic automatic machine. You have the Princeton experiments where you had binary code being spit out and you would have to have people try to influence the binary code. Mm. And this was done over a couple decades and it was statistically significant. Um, Dean Radin, as she mentioned um, in his latest book, Real Magic. Oh, so good. Um, the president of the American Statistical Society, or maybe it's the International Statistical Society, she just she was talking about statistics as a whole and how it can be overlooked, and she was mentioning paranormal. Um, and basically, when it when it gets broken down, uh, the paranormal experiments that have been going on with Raiden and uh, the Ryan Institute and the Winbridge Institute and the Monroe Institute. All of these things have been repeated for decades and decades and decades and decades, showing that there's statistical significance. Yeah. The amount of evidence that is there is something called six sigma probability. It's like one in a billion. One yeah. in a billion. Yeah, that there's no chance that, yeah. that it doesn't exist. But it's overlooked because science will not address it. it if, you're a, if you're a physicist and say, I want to examine ESP, Good luck getting funded. Yeah. Right. But at IONS, uh, Dr. Mossbridge, um, she... Um, She's the, pre, uh, the precognition lady, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But when she did her um, uh, PhD, she got a private donation. So she was able to actually examine ESP in a lab. And uh, when she got out, she's like, I really want to do this or I could just take a job that pays me. And luckily, she hooked up with IONS. That which, and I think, you know, crowdfunding these days... You can start doing a lot of stuff with crowdfunding. It's, I mean, it, that doesn't always exist in the past. And if no. you, you, yeah. someone like Dean Radin, let's say, with his popularity, could say, "Okay, I, I'm out of a job," which that's not going to happen. But he'd <laughs> say, "Oh, I, you know, I want to do this test, and can I get crowdfunded?" Like there'd be that money right there in two days. Not necessarily. You don't um, think so? No, because lab equipment is super well, expensive. Okay, okay. Lab well, space is super expensive. My my wife is a scientist, so I right, have that yeah, you glimpse do have that into background. it. Yeah. But I'm saying like there's I think there's ways you can get money other than just trying to apply for like the old-fashioned way grants. Trying to get a grant. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think that things have changed in in that respect. Yeah, but you'll never you have to have but a yeah, private space. But if you space. need like 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, you know whatever. Well, uh, but going to, <laughs> going back to the grant thing star. though. I mean, that's just what the point I was making earlier. I mean, Look, I'd love to see things be broken down, you know, on a fundamental level like that. So we do understand what we're dealing with, with, with consciousness. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I recognize even myself going on that where I really would love to see that. I still do understand that it's just not that simple. You're never going to find consciousness under a microscope. No, and it's not something I think we'll ever be able to break down into well, zeros and ones. It's not that. It's not binary. And no. even if you could prove it, there's always going to be someone out there that won't believe it based on well, their but, but, belief system already. Well, or, look, or their if someone's going to sink a million dollars into you, they want to see some results. Let's just put it. Of let, course, let's just keep it simple, right? If somebody's going to give you money, I don't care if it's a college or anybody, whatever it may be, you're going to get a grant for something. They're going to want to see some type of tangible results. And unfortunately, what we're talking about here. A lot of times, I don't think you're gonna get, you're gonna get that. You get obviously you get evidence. You, you're getting art. You, we get audio artifacts, which is great, right? Um, but I don't even know if someone. I mean, would you? You gotta have the right audience. I think you do. You have to have the right audience for this. I mean, you. I think that if somebody wanted to, and Scott wants to start up. Well, know, if we want to start our band, what ethereal database? Oh, ethereal database. Yeah. 
I don't want to crowdfund that. Well, I'm just giving you an example. Dude, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> struggling to keep a conscious thought here. And you keep throwing me off, man. Um, no, um, so what I was going to say was, okay, let, let say tomorrow. I say, I want to start doing experiments in ITC. I want to... I want to raise a million dollars to do this. I'd like to think that the people involved are people that really wanted to see something. They'd have they'd have the same understanding that I would have of this thing. Where okay, look, it isn't all zeros and ones. There's gonna be some stuff that we just can't explain. Well, actually, at a university, um, Gary Schwartz is at the University of Arizona. You're pointing at a book. Which yes, one? The Afterlife Experiments. Yeah. Are you talking about that Gary Schwartz? Yeah. Okay. So that particular Gary Schwartz, yeah. he had $2 million funded to him. And what he did is he has basically created an application that works kind of off of ITC. And uh, it's been beta tested. Yeah. And I don't know where and when it's going to get released, but it's called the Soul Phone. And apparently from the other side, after sinking $2 million into this, they can actually communicate. So my question is: It just revisiting crap? I read crappy this article ICC? not that long ago. I, I think posted maybe you it. posted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that could be very interesting. We'll see. The soul phone. Soul phone. Why is this not the biggest thing in the world? I mean, it not only isn't it? Isn't it? It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's published in a shit newspaper in like out Miami or something like is, that. You know, you'd think that people. I mean, all we do as people, I think, is. I mean, I know I ponder this every day, like, what's it going to be like when I finally check out? When my porch light goes off, what am I going to see, right? Well, it's the greatest, it's the most profound, greatest question we, we have. We have an people. answer for that. I did something in 2014 called the Ghost Box, the ITC Ghost Box Collective. What I did is I orchestrated an experiment with people all around the world. Well, actually, two continents. Yeah. But what we did is we asked a question all at the exact same time GMT. Okay. So all the time zones in the U.S., time zones in Europe. Not all the time zones in Europe. But anyway, um, what we did is we did this three times. Each time was a different question. The first, the, we were basically at the, at the time GMP, GMT, we would read a preamble saying, you know, basically, hey, we use these boxes all the time. We ask you questions, blah, blah, blah. Today we're conducting an experiment. I'm just going to ask you a question and record you for two minutes straight, and I'm not going to say anything. I'm not being rude. I, we're doing this for an experiment. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was just prefacing it to the other side, and then I turn on the box, record for two minutes. After two minutes, it's like, hey, you got anything left to say? You got 10 seconds. Click, done. So the first experiment, nada. Second experiment, uh, it, the question was, do you know anybody who's performing this experiment right now um, with me? And there were seven of us doing it, and five names came through on other people's boxes. So every one of us got someone else's name coming through our box. Okay. The third time is when we decided, you know, let's ask that question. What's the first thing you see when you die? Mm -hmm. Almost all of us recorded light. Some recorded portal. Um, uh one said, uh, there's a light, you can choose, follow your loved ones. Um, that question's been answered by the other side already Okay, in their voice. But not everybody knows that. No. That, and that's why, I know. I'm, that's why I'm saying, like, with the we, ghost phone. Yeah, soul phone. Why, I'm sorry, this, this soul, <laughs> soul phone. phone. I really soul hope phone. it comes with an afro. I, that's what I know. It's like, soul phone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, oh, no. But with the soul food. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read the song finish for that. show. I'm going to go take a nap. Uh, now, who's got the soul? <laughs> soul phone. <laughs> my whole point is just, uh, why isn't the entire world freaking out right now going, oh, my God, there's a fucking phone. Well, why? Oh, my God. How come these people recorded that spirits are saying they see the light? Yeah. Seriously. And I did it. And, you know, crickets because I'm not a showman. Like some people. Well, yeah, that I mean, I think they're I think Next they're, question. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm convinced of everything I've heard. And, and I, you know, no offense. I mean, I just I'm not convinced of everything. Of course not. I'm taking things in. I want to understand it the best I can. Um, so I do on that idea. That's where I do get a glimpse in that. I think what a lot of people where a lot of people are with stuff like this. They're simply just very skeptical about things. Well, you got to be I in think, this day and age. And I think, too, that the world we live in, you know, I mean. It's a different time. Right now, I think we're we're at a time as people, and I don't want to preach on this too much, but I think as people, uh, we're very distracted. Very distracted. What are you saying? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. What? We're very distracted in general. Uh, we're distracted with our work. We're distracted, you know. By your phone. By you know, your phone. Yeah, that's an obvious one. We're just distracted in general. I know I, I found myself in the, God, the last five years, I, I'm so damn busy all the time, and I, I she's screaming at me all the time, like, dude, sit down and play a video game. Relax. Enjoy yourself. You work it, you've worked hard enough, but I'm always finding things that I have to get done, or I think I have to get done. That's the American drive. Yeah. So, but I know, and I know I'm very distracted, and I am off the path of studying this stuff. Is You know, and having these conversations, it's always like, first thing I, you know, what I'll think about when you leave tonight, Tim, is like, Fuck, I gotta really start digging into this. I'm gonna start getting hardcore on ITC. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, it's gonna be fucking awesome. Man, I'm gonna just be working, working, and then tomorrow I'll be at work and I boom. I mean, I'm being totally honest. It's oh, sucky, yeah. right? Um there's all this inspiration that comes to people, I think. Uh this isn't just me. I think a lot of people uh receive that same type of inspiration, whatever it may be. Yeah, for me, ITC just grabbed me and never let go. And yeah, yeah. I, I, it's something that I'm constantly reading. And, you know, I've always, as I said earlier, I've read this stuff my entire life. And the more that I dig into these things, the more it, it things open up. So you'll see a passage in one book that, you know, you can see the same thing reflected 20 years earlier. Or a little sentence on consciousness, I can correlate to work that it, I've recorded yeah, over time. Yeah, yeah. So the more that you put yourself in a in a field the more that you learn and that's the passion you know it's like i i don't make a living at itc Mm -hmm. i've never made a dime at itc so i have to do it in all my spare time but while i'm at work that's what i'm thinking about because i've got a a brain dead job Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) well no that's i think that's where um yeah, I think that's. I just think that's what the problem is, and that's why people don't respond the way they respond. They should respond. I think, like, okay, dude, here's something really cool to check out. Well, you don't me- have to pay for it. Just pick it up. The media is jaded too. I mean, well, everybody's jaded. Not jaded. They're all everybody's it's just, skeptical. It's not lucrative I, for them to pick up an article like that. Well, and I want to be clear no, too. People I mean, don't want to read. They want cliff notes. Yeah. Well, or, yeah, that's another thing too. I mean, well, that's that's the distraction also. Um, I think people don't. I mean. That's why, I mean, things like Twitter, God, I said the T word, things like Twitter and stuff like that are very attractive to the people because what is it, 124 words? 280 now. 280 now? 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280 280
that's it. Yeah. That's as much as people want to spend time on information now. Yeah. On taking in information. They don't want to sit down and read an article or a book. Well, it's even worse with memes because you can put five words on an image and convey a message. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that I think is where... And when you hit someone with such a profound idea like... I want you to pick up this device because it's good. you're going to talk to someone that's no you know that's from the other side. Let's just say whatever, or someone else's consciousness, or I mean, how, yeah, whatever I mean, I am idea. Open to the idea of another dimension or another life form even communicating. I mean, Tim. Okay, wait. What are your thoughts of other? Like, okay, so Sumption Frank was yeah. like, I want to speak to aliens. I didn't have that accent, but I don't know why that I was came say, out. Why'd you give him? A <laughs> I don't know why that came out. And so, My name is Frank Sumption. <laughs> I want to talk to aliens. I don't. I guess he was from Colorado. They don't speak like that. Okay. There. I, I want to speak to aliens. So anyway, he, he wants to do that. So what are your thoughts with? Okay, so as long as you've been working with these boxes, do you think you've ever talked to some kind of discarnate? In it, well, I don't want to say discarnate, but like something that might not have be human consciousness. Absolutely. Okay. And what was that like? <laughs> well, we talk. Well, let's talk about Sumption, for example. Um, as I mentioned, Sumption, he devised these boxes to talk to aliens. During the course of his recording over 12 years before he died, they told him some pretty consistent things, session after session after session. He was their purple princess. Oh, that's nice. He was the diva. <laughs> oh. He was brought here from Pleiades. Okay, that's a good one. Um, they were coming to pick him up in a ship. So they put him here. He was their diva. They're going to pick him up again. So throughout his life, he went by the the moniker Purple Princess. That was his email account. That was his (laughs) tripod website. And when I met Frank, um, he had the purple earrings in and everything. He just fully (laughs) embraced it. Um, It was great. And um, being a friend of Frank, I recorded a lot of the same stuff. and every time it happened, I just send it over to Frank. I'm like, hey, Frank, uh, they're saying purple again, Frank. You know, here you go. And you're like, oh, yeah, I get this stuff all the time, too. Then a couple months before he died, it was late June. He died in early August. I recorded a session, um, which wound up getting huge acclaim in the paranormal field, where it was crystal clear. There's no radio background, no radio in the background whatsoever. It's like a minute and a half long. And it says thing, it first starts off with like Diva and Purple. Uh, we brought Diva to them, uh, which is crazy. Sent by the ship. Um, we come to Earth, Pleiades, um, depart Frank, he goes up next. All of this crazy shit. Now, when you listen to this clip, um, stuff like we brought Diva to them and sent by the ship. They are voices that are non-human. I was going to say, how did they sound like compared to like human consciousness it's, voices? It's like words applied to tones. Okay, okay. It's it's completely unhuman and in the inhuman in the way that they sound. So I sent this clip over to Frank, and you know he's like, "Well, those are really good," but yeah, they send me this stuff all the time. Then he died. Uh, it was a prediction. Weird. How yeah. did he die? Was it a heart attack? Or? Yeah, so Frank was a maintenance guy at a school district. There is this lady who used to be called the Skep Bitch. She worked with the Randy Society, um, James oh, Randy. Wow. Oh. Uh, Karen Stolnitz is her name. And 
she wanted to learn about ghost boxes. So on Randy's dime, she flew to Colorado under the guise of being a researcher who wanted to write about the ghost boxes. So Frank gave her a box. She took it back, and they. What was her What was her last name again? Stolnotes, Stolitz, something like that. Stoles, no. Stole. No, there's. I know there's a uh, TZ at the end there, and her first name's Karen. Look up Skep Bitch, you'll find her. But anyway, uh, she tore it apart and then wrote a scathing article where she called Frank a fucking lunatic. Wow. That article got back to the school district, and he was fired. <gasps> He yeah, lost. Karen. Karen Stoles, no. Maybe that's no, it. No, no, no. I mean, I'm not correcting you on that. The reason I want to dig in, we actually had her on Ghostly Talk years and years ago. Oh, fucking no punch way. that episode in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we. She was on our show years and years ago. Yeah, yeah. the skep wow. bitch. Yep. But anyway, um, yeah, he was fired as a result of her article. He lost his health care, um, couldn't get his checkups, and died of a massive coronary. Wow. She killed him. Wow. Oh, really? Well, so why did I mean, the I mean, school? Yeah. I mean, why did they want to? Why did they want to fire him just based on this article? Bad reputation. Seems like he could have fought that. He like, could have, but he, you know, it probably wasn't his nature. Yeah, he was a pacifist. Yeah, but yeah, basically, so, he lost okay. his health care and died as a result. You have like this kind of thing. So the nasty, the nasty skeptics out there doing their thing and and not wanting to look at it through a different eye. So well, that, what do you that, think that, is? That, that, is no, no, mm, I, I, hold on, I'm segueing. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask Tim what he thinks is are other things that are detrimental to the study of this, like ITC EVP. Who else is hurting it? Oh, you know exactly where I'm <laughs> going to go with that, don't you? I do. Oh, you're evil. <laughs> okay, so one of the problems we have in ITC, and it's also endemic to the field of mediumship, is where we have people profiting off of people's emotions. Whenever there is grief, there's someone who wants to profit off it. Yeah. So we've had that happening in... That goes back to the dawn of spiritualism. <laughs> yep. So with ghost boxes, that's happened since the dawn of ghost boxes, where somebody who will remain nameless walks around and conducts sessions at a premium, um, a ridiculous premium, puts them in touch with, their, t- puts them in touch with uh, family members on the other side, and then he'll contact them a few months later saying, I have another message. Just PayPal me X amount of money. Wow. So that, that's been happening for years. And as of late, we've had another showman come into the field. Um, and I'm not going to mince words. His name's Steve Hoff. Right. The, right. He yeah. is a, uh, to put it bluntly, a piece of shit when it comes to ITC. What he's done is he's treated the field as his personal piggy bank. He um, has been proven to fake his sessions what he does and how he gained, gained his acclaim is by doing celebrity death sessions. So shortly after somebody dies, he'll put up a video saying, guess who I contacted? And because their name is all over the news. And he uses YouTube primarily, right? Yeah. Okay. He, what he will do is he'll take clips of YouTube interviews and basically put them in his application and claim that it's communication from the other side. Wow. And he's been called out on this several times because word for word coming out of his box are the same things from YouTube interviews. And, but the thing is, you know, he these videos that he's putting out um, are getting six to seven million views. He's making... Which is generating money for his channel. Yeah. You can actually put his channel into a YouTube uh, checker. Yeah. And it's six figures his channel's making off of this stuff. 
Not only that, wow. but because he has a big following now, because everybody's like, oh my God, this guy's the one and only who can talk to the dead. Right. Um, he's also got a Patreon that's bringing in seven grand a month. Oh my God, I didn't know he had a Patreon. On top so of, what is he offering? Because on Patreon, you have to yeah, offer what do you, people yeah, perks. What, what, so what, what is he offering people? Private sessions, oh, well, group okay. sessions oh, okay. and Q&As. Okay, yeah. all right. So, um, and on top of that, he's putting out apps that have been proven to be fraudulent as well through his and partner. I've seen through eBay, he will post the occasional box that can sell for 1500 to 2000 or more. Um, well, he actually got in line with a man named uh, George Brown, who came out with something called the Geobox, which is a damn sexy looking box. Until right, you, they look cool. Until you look at what's in there, and it's less than $200 worth of parts. But the thing is... When it first came out, Huff called it the worst box it was ever made. It was really shoddy, blah, 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 but he saw an opportunity. So he went out, he faked some communication, and put out a video, and um, all of a sudden it was the best box ever made. And by sucking up to George Brown, George Brown put out a, uh, a whole line of Huff paranormal boxes, um, and he got like 10 of them or something like that, uh, which he, you know, whatever their business deal was i can't say one way or the other um but yeah basically that's been his mo since day one he will try to partner up with ghost box creators and he's done it with every creator in the field and they basically all turned him down because they know what he is he is a pariah in itc um in the ghost box community the only thing he has is fans he has no respect of his peers whatsoever and unfortunately being a showman he is the guy who is the face of ghost boxes right because he's yeah because it's youtube people well and you know and i'd like to think that a lot of his viewers are not serious studies of this anyway no but it's just I like anybody no. who watches no, but like they're the making TV him show. money yeah, but they are they're generating money yeah, yeah i get that um and then where did i mean where did he come from was it do you think he was an opportunist and was like i'm just gonna do this or do you Absolutely. think do you think it came of, yeah. did he start like doing well, it because he was genuinely interested well you before he got big and you could look back at his old um YouTube, basically, he keeps saying he's been in the field every every month. It gets like another year deeper into the field, but he never put out a video before late 2012, oh, okay. where he was walking around with a PSB seven in a graveyard. Okay, and then that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think this opportunism it's this has been an issue for years in the paranormal. It is, uh, you know, outside of Steve Huff, um, I've watched it happen over and over again. Uh, whether it be someone getting a TV show or someone simply just like we like you started with this, where someone someone who's grieving, mm-hmm. yeah, and I yeah. think that's, that's always it. you know, and I mean, I've spit a lot of venom in the last couple of years on this show, uh, as eloquently as I could, uh, but I've seen it over and over again with people, uh, and it does. After a while, I think you know. I become very jaded. <laughs> I know you have too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to these sort of people, I don't have a lot of tolerance for them anymore. There's there's been times we've talked about on this show where we we've we've dealt with people like that. You know, well, it's kind of like why we took a big giant hiatus. Too yeah, from this. it was just it, like, oh, it it's was, poison. Yeah, it was ugly. Like we were we were fried. Away. Yeah, you know, we said that we've said that a bunch of times. Um, and and the opportunist thing. What I always tell people in conversation. And, and again, this is obviously not a point towards you in any way whatsoever. You're obviously next level on this stuff. You're way more studied than I am in ITC, and I've I studied it too. You know what I mean? Uh, but I've always told people that um, 
the barriers to entry in this field are very low, very low. And that's why it makes it very easy for people to manipulate. Agreed. And, and, that's well and, put. And be an opportunist and give themselves any fucking title they want. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing I think people, in the older days, I think that's what people, I think people just want to feel important. A lot of people do. I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to make people, I'm not trying to say people are stupid or anything like that. But, you know, my thing, me and Doug's big gripe on the old show was always, you know, ghost hunting groups. Mm-hmm. And because we had some very, when you mentioned meeting your first friend on Craigslist, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got some stories <laughs> I can tell you. Uh, we were very jaded with that because every time we got involved with somebody, they all of a sudden, well, I'm the president. Well, I'm oh, the yeah. vice president. Well, I'm the treasurer. I'm the PR director. Yeah, I'm the PR. I'm the expert. And if anybody mentioned an expert, I would run out the door. So, like, Tim, do you this. love the term, I'm in the EDP specialist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the term expert. And one of my mantras since day one when I put ITC Voices up, yeah. it, it used to be up on the front page. It's changed since then, but I think it's still in the about or something like that, is there are no experts. There's just those people with more experience. Exactly. And that's 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 the whole deal. Going back to that thing, though, I think this, that's where this, a lot of problems have happened in the field. Um, for the outside spectator who likes to watch TV shows, and that's all fun. Mm-hmm. I don't beat people up for that, right? Uh, but, yeah, like as we were saying with this with this equation with Steve Hoffman, and you know what? I'm just – I don't know him too well. I've heard my stories. I've talked to you. I've talked to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of the same stories. <laughs> but, but, I mean – just outside of that, um, this idea of, uh, man, I am so damn tired. I am trying to You were to doing good. I was doing Keep good. Keep it going. Keep it going. No, this opportunist idea, it, it's run rampant. It's very easy for people to jump in here, and it's very easy to take advantage of people's emotions. Correct. And I've been preaching this for years on this thing. Like, guys, be smarter than that. You need to be smarter than that. Look, if you just want to watch a TV show, I understand. If you want to enjoy that, that's entertainment to you, that's totally great. But if, you, if you're taking this as written in blood, like this is the way the paranormal or this study works, you're sadly, sadly mistaken. Well, that's, you know, speaking of TV, you know, um, shows are proclaiming demon, demon, demon. and all Well, that's the- been happening oh, for a long yeah. time, too. No, but yeah. now that it's on television all the time and you have these upstart... Now everybody's a fucking demonologist. Well, not only yeah. that, you've got all these black t-shirts up and coming saying there's a demon on every case. <laughs> yeah. And it not only wreaks havoc with the field, yeah. and what it does is it really fucks with the families. There's oh, so yeah. there's so many people going in saying, "Oh, you have a demon in here," and I don't know what to do about it, and they leave. Well, yeah. Well, my my example with that has always been the same. When I was very active, and I've told this story a handful of times on this show, but when I was very active in the field years ago, my questions were always the same. When I would go to a place and 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 you know, have it what we call the the initial interview, the for whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Call, you know, you sit down and have a conversation with a person, look around their house if it, or whatever the place was they say it was haunted. But my thing was different. My thing was always, okay, here's the deal. Bottom line here. We're going to come here. We're going to take pictures. We're going to take audio. We're going to take video. We're going to do all the, you know, we might bring a medium in to check stuff out. Whatever we get as far as any type of artifact, right, uh, evidence we may have, I'm going to show it to you. If there's nothing there that we would consider anomalous, you're going to see it. If there's something there that we do consider anomalous, you're going to see it. So the question comes down is, can you handle that? 
We're not going to run around here telling you, you know, we're going to just observe and report, right? Um, can you handle that? Because right now, a lot of people in this situation, they think, hey, man, you know, there's there's this cutesy little ghost running around my house that knocks something off a shelf every once in a while. It's really funny. But when you have someone who they think has some type of authority in this field, which I don't have any whatsoever, um, I just have, I'm interested in it. Uh, but they're going to give you that type of authority. That's the problem here. And it goes back to the whole titling and the power thing that people get. And the black field. shirts. Yeah, and the, well, and the black shirts, too. But it's, it's, a, it's the idea of the, the title and the power. And now I have some authority over this person, right? That's a really serious thing. I it don't is. think people take that nearly as seriously as they should. As I said, my thing was always, hey, here's what we're going to do. Can you handle that if we say, hey, we got this really interesting photo? And I mean, in a handful of those times, people did call me. I'd say, look, you you got four days to think, four or five days to think it over. Get a hold of me if you want us to come back, but I want you to process this. It was a consistent thing we always did. And we're just doing this as a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and people did call back and say, you know what, I can't, you're right, I thought this over, Scott, and you know what, I can't, I, I'm okay with the way it is now. I don't want to stir anything up, right? It's a lot different than running through someone's house with your hands up in the air, yelling whatever in the... I have a demon! Yeah, going, saying, well, you definitely have a demon in your house. You want to fuck somebody's brain up doing stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. you! No, that's very... No, I don't think people take that ser- as seriously as they should in this field. Well, you said it. You... Like yourself, you get into it as a hobby. Yeah. But when a hobby masquerades as professionalism, that's where the problem yeah, is. Yeah. When hobby masquerades as a signal of authority, that's where the problem is. Yeah, yeah. When hobby masquerades as somebody who is knowledgeable in the field, yeah. that's where the problem is. Because 90% of these teams out there learned everything from watching Ghost Hunters and that's or just, Ghost Adventures. And that's ridiculous to me. You know, And I don't want to turn it into a shit on the TV show thing, but it's very easy to based on that. Because, yeah, I mean... My thing, look, I think there is a degree of what you would we would refer to as professionalism that you have to have, right? Professionalism simply is something you get paid to do, which is why I find it always kind of funny. Like, I'm not getting paid to do this. But a professional attitude is one thing, right? Or maybe just act like a fucking adult hmm? and make the right decisions and be responsible and be caring of people's feelings. But the different drive is they're going back to manipulation. Yeah. If you tell that client there's a demon in their house, you build that fear factor. Well, you have the power. No. Not only do you have the power, not only do you have the right to create the the literary arc of what's going on in this particular case. Yeah. You can bring it to whatever conclusion you want and write the book or get on haunted case files well, it or all, whatever Yeah, else. it all goes way to the top of the mountain like that. You know, and I mean, I've been saying this for, there there are, and we were just discussing this this week, there's some people just not too far from us here um, who are doing tours and stuff like that. And I'm like, that that place is, there's never been any stories. I know there's no history on this stuff. And I refer to it as manufacturing a haunt. Well, you see that a lot. Well, there's the whole intention that you put into something. Yeah. So if you keep putting thought energy into something existing it goes back centuries you're creating a tulpa yes, 
the Philip experiment. Yeah, the Philip experiment's a great example. Um, Philip experiment, 70s Toronto Parapsychological Society. Basically, they sat around a table, devised a character from, I think it was the 16th century. His name was Philip. They ascribed a handful of his life characteristics, and they built up this character, Philip. So over the course of time, um, they got into serious knocks and table tipping, um, but he could only respond to questions that were directly in line with the the life that he had built for them, the one that they created. Yeah, yeah. Anything outside of that, they wouldn't respond to. It finally ended when the table that they were using chased around the head parapsychologist, chased him around the room, and they ended the experiment. Yeah. Jeez. That is creating a tulpa. Yeah. It's manufacturing a haunt. Yeah, we do the same thing when we walk into Waverly and all of a sudden we create whatever ghost that everyone knows, some name out of the blue. That's why, you know, there's always someone named Mary who died at a freaking location. Oh, yeah. There's all the ladies in white. That's not research to me. I'm sorry. Well, it's it's research to some degree. Like, it's amazing what causes that. It is. It is. Um, I guess that that goes with consciousness studies. I'm being Mm -hmm. way too critical now. But, I mean... But it's not a haunt as in what people think it is when they're investigating it. I just think but well, it is a haunt because it's, it's a there. haunt, but not like, oh, I'm looking at this dead guy. He lived and he's still here and we're talking to him. So the Bobby Mackey portal, for example. Right. You know, everybody's convinced it's a gateway to hell and yeah. not bad things happen there. So what's going to happen there? Bad things. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's just that's just self-immolation. <laughs> I don't I don't know any way. I don't know any other way to say it. I mean. You, like we already said that you already said it. it's a it's a toll point. You're creating yeah. this, um, and that is profound. I mean, I shouldn't be so critical. It, it, that is something very interesting. However, um, we should create a friend here. No, I don't want a friend. I, I don't want any friends. This is my house. I don't want to talk to anybody. What here. if they're cool though? We're gonna make them cool. No, I don't want. I don't, I don't He's gonna be a metalhead. Yeah. Oh God, no, no more. He'll hang out with us no. when we're not around. Metalheads in general. What if they clean? What if they clean? No. Okay. Ooh, no, they can't clean as good as I can. Yes, they can. No, they can't. If they, they, if you, it is pretty clean upstairs. Well, but Scott struggles with cleaning dishes. I've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I think there's a lot of growing that I think we need to do in this field. I think there's there's a lot of growing that can happen with people, and I think, look, I think it's here to stay. I made predictions like 15 years ago saying, oh, these paranormal shows will be gone in five years. They're not, though. And they're not. I was so I'm, wrong. Yeah, they're there, breeding like rabbits. There is a 2006 or seven. we were at a conference, and John Zaffis was there. He mm-hmm. didn't have his show. He was just that guy that was related to Ed Warren and da-da-da-da. He's sitting there doing his thing. Oh, that's back when he was and, doing exorcisms. W- yeah. yeah, and so he's sitting there next to me, and he's just like, this is just crazy. Like, this is just nuts with all these shows. This is going to be over before you know it. This is going to be done. This is just a phase. That was like 2007. But no, back then, Johnny would have said, this is fucking nuts, well, kid. I'm okay. telling you. Okay, yes. Yeah. That's accurate. <laughs> I'm yeah. cleaning up his language. And then, like, and I, we were all kind of like, yeah, yeah, you're right, John. Yeah, it's going to be, this is just a little phase. And it's, I don't think they're maybe as popular as they once were when Ghost Hunters first came out. Because let's face it, I even thought the first season of that show was badass when it came out. I was like, what? Well, who did This it? is what we're doing. This is so cool. Oh, my I God, la- they're I recognizing lasted, no, it. I lasted three episodes. And I'm like, I no, thought I'm it was super cool. But I, I honestly, it was only that first season. And then I went, Bleh. I watched it till the jacket episode. I think that was in season oh, three or something. Uh, oh, Collar game. Collar game. Yeah. 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 
So no, I, I, the point on that, though, I was making was simply I think this is always going to have a place, unfortunately, in this field. And it's something that it's going to be a challenge for people who want to do, I think, you know, legitimate good research where that's a tough road to run. You know what I'm talking about? Of course. Um, it, it, and it's even more of a tough road to run when you spend half your time convincing people. And this is why, uh, I, after a while, I just kept my mouth shut. because I, I, I was wearing myself out spending hours at a time explaining to someone why no this isn't the way it works on paranormal state you can't this is no this isn't the, no no and i have to sit there and go through go down a, a gauntlet of ideas and try <laughs> to explain to them and that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and it just fucking tired i i well, once did a, a series of talks for libraries for their it was like a bumps in the night was the summer reading program for kids in libraries and so i i talked to teens about ghosts and all that and i had this yeah. little boy he's probably like 10 and he had to keep raising his hand the entire talk. Okay, what, you have a question? Yeah, when I was watching Ghost Adventures, Zach Baggins, and he just had to keep telling me what he saw Zach Baggins doing, and I was like, oh my god. So I, it's <laughs> shut the fuck up, right? Shut the I, fuck up. I couldn't shut say that, but yeah. Well, for me, I take a different path. I don't do residential investigations. Smart. What I do is I just convey knowledge via ITC voices and paranormal study. Um, the lay people will never, ever find these sites. Right. But people in the paranormal, they're learning from what I've put out yeah. there. I've had, I've had the luxury of being the first person to quantify ghost box communication. So I, I, I'm the one who put names and audio to the different types of communication that are coming through. Mm. I'm the one who formulated theories and not, and even applying terms like ghost boxing and ghost boxer. And now I'm seeing these terms being used everywhere yeah. out in the field, which means, you know, even though you work in the background, you don't get all the acclaim, you're influencing so many people out in the field. And you guys are doing the same thing by having guests like me and other people on your show. Oh, yeah, yeah. You influence people in the field, and through these little micro movements, you can actually steer the field in oh, a better direction so. and make it more educated. Well, well I know we've always tried. Go ahead. I was going to say, with the with, since we've come back, obviously, from what Ghostly Talk was when it started in two thousand two, eighteen forty seven, eighteen forty seven, and then from when we came back, a couple and, of cans and the, and the, and talking and, through them. The yeah. string, you know, and what'd the, you say? What'd you say? <laughs> 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 oh God! Go ahead. And the podcasting world that we came into is totally different. So now you have this long form style of podcasting, this conversation that can that can go on forever, and you're not you're not bound by commercials or no, it, time constraints or even what you want to say. You can say whatever you want. Like, because I know Scott used to, they used to have to keep it toned down because people would download it for terrestrial radio. So you had to watch what you say. Yeah. And not now anymore. it's no, not that. anymore. But it's I think these kind. Like I just heard someone say in a podcast that good conversation is the new Eucharist, and I really like that. That's yeah, that's, that's because very well put. That is so like. Thank you, Terry Gross. It's oh, I love Terry Gross. I love Terry <laughs> Gross. I'm an NPR nerd, but anyway, um, I think it's just it gets people's gears going, and when it's something beyond just a little ten minute story, a fifteen minute well, segment. Well, no, when or, you're not being distracted every fifteen well, minutes no, but, by a commercial. 
And and no, and then you can there's actually, so you can actually keep a thought thread yeah. going for a long time. And you can talk about it, but there's so many podcasts to choose from now. It's almost daunting, but. I mean, anything you want, you can listen and learn from. And there's brilliant people doing podcasts. It's not just Correct. not just morons are picking stuff up. I mean, yeah, there's probably some unintelligent weirdos that you listen to their podcast and you're like, shut the what? I've done a couple of them. So yeah, <laughs> they're out there and they won't last. They won't last. I mean, like anything yeah. that sucks, it's not going to have any steam and it's it's just going to you know die in the on the side of the road. But um, it's it's it is nice having people like you on the show. Um, because it does get your gears thinking. And I'm always taking notes. Anybody that's on the show will always see me taking notes. I've seen you scribbling. And yeah. so I'm always looking stuff up. When Steve Ward was here, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. like oh, all that these guy's names. A compendium. I love him. Oh my He's God. a compendium. Oh, my gosh. You know, it just, it's just so much Brilliant fun because guy. you you learn so much from having these conversations with people. And these little things, like you said, how everything's connected, where you're like, whoa, I didn't look at it that way. i got to look that up now. Like, well, you're always, dra- you're always drawing lines. I mean, that's what we've been – I mean, you can't say that enough, and I know you, you, you've been down this, you think about this too, Tim. I mean, I'm always spending my time, and I think even Steve, when he was here a couple weeks ago, we had this, we talked about this idea. Um, I, I, I think you have to be a fool to not believe in something that's out there, you know, whether it's the ideas we were talking about tonight or whether it is in the UFOs or whatever it might be. My thing that I, you know, Doug and I have been studying since we were younger uh, was always how this stuff is related. You know, what's the glue here? That's where I think the real, the, that's the secret sauce, that's what's happening, right? Um, I think that's the real thing that I think people, as researchers, um, I'd like to see more of that. Is just, how is this stuff related? And I know it can be kind of goofy, like, how does Bigfoot relate to... Yeah, but someone's going to ask JFK that question. Assassination, hey, but, why you know, not? Maybe there's some there's some relation there. I don't know, right? It's stuff, but it, to me, it's all stuff that you know we can ask questions about. Yeah, and speaking of running out of steam, yeah, hmm? and we've had a lot of coffee, and it's probably time to use the bathroom. Yeah, I'm a total wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Well, you good. did good, Scott. You powered through it. You did I good. Did. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You get a sticker. I, I really appreciate that. No, Tim, thanks for coming on. Thanks yeah, for, cheers, man. You drove all the way out here. It's like a, it was like an hour for you to get out here. Oh, yeah. Um, and so. I hit like four hobos on the way. It was, <laughs> it was rough, man. No, we appreciate you taking the time to actually come here and sit down with us. And, it was a pleasure. And, yeah, and we'll do it. Let's do it again. It'd be totally cool. Sounds great. Thanks, Tim. Cheers, man. Ghostly <laughs> The ignorance of people bothers me. Well, that's an oh, ignorance, yeah. ignorance you're not going to no, overcome. No, you can't get rid of it. Tim, let's hear you a little bit. My name is Tim. I'm an asshole. I'm here to record today. <laughs> Give me a little bit more. You should record that. <laughs> that can be the intro. <laughs>